Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Him who calls you, you were called to something so much bigger than anything small. But the enchantment is to pull you away. In today's message, Pastor Randy says the enchantments are real and the hinderer is a who. Go with us now to Galatians chapter 5. Here's Pastor Randy. What a glorious weekend it has been, except for the yellow snow. Uh, other than that, and boy, it was, it was bad yesterday. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like this, this pollen season seems to be holding on longer. My, my, my iPad has forgotten what I look like. Um, when I try to do the, when I try to do the, you know, open up the, with your, with your facial recognition, um, open your Bibles, Galatians chapter five, got a couple things that want to talk to you about today, excited about this, this message and, and, um, what God's been laying on my heart this week. This is one of those passages that I, I looked at it on Sunday afternoon, it's kind of when I, I, I kind of start looking at the text for the next week. And, and, you know, I got some general ideas but before that, but I really start digging in. And then Monday, I just felt like God was, was leading me in this whole other way. And then I got up yesterday morning and I was journaling about the week and, and he just kind of just did this thing in me. And I'm gonna tell you about it this morning. Thanks for joining me in my quiet time, which is pretty much what you're doing all the time. Um, that's, yeah, it's just what God's been teaching me through his word. I feel like I, I feel like I'm just drinking from a fire hose in this book of Galatians. It, it's, he's just been teaching me so much and I'm so humbled to get to, to read this. I just, I want to read for you this morning. If you guys would stand with me, I just want to read verse seven and eight. And then I want to read verse 14. You are running well, who hindered you? from obeying the truth, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. You are running well. Who hindered you? I was, uh, in, when I was in college, I wanted to do sports like that people came to and watched, but the only thing I could do was run and which no one comes to track meets. Let's just be really honest, okay? Except parents. Sometimes my parents didn't even come to track meets, okay? Any fellow track people out there? Yeah, not many. Okay, all right. So, yeah, you want to do sports that people want to watch. Like, but, but in, in 84, I was in college. It was the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Olympics. The USA track team was like at its zenith. I mean, we had Carl Lewis and, and I mean, what an amazing year that was. Um, the, that team had, was just filled with superstars. And the, the best female runner, middle distance runner in the world was an American. Her name was Mary Decker. And she, her later Mary Decker Tab and Mary Decker Slaney, but she was Mary Decker, I think in 84. She had the world's record in the 1500, which is kind of like the mile and she, was, she had the, the fastest women's mile ever. She was the first person to go under 420 in the mile as a woman, and, and she was the best 3,000-meter runner. She, she was just this amazing runner. So she goes into the Olympics, and she's in the, the, the 1,500, which is kind of like the mile, 
And something happened. This, there was a, a woman named Zola Budd. And Zola Budd, and he, do you guys remember this? This was big news back then. Zola Budd was, was running and kind of got in front of her and, and tripped her up, and, and Mary Decker fell. And they eventually, they, they disqualified Zola Budd, but then the Olympic Committee came back with this ruling. It's the responsibility of the trailing runners to avoid contact with the runners ahead of them. Leaders should try to move predictably, but those behind them need to take precautions. She lost her place, this, this Olympic medal, in, in this fall, this tragic fall, and she, she laid there groaning in pain, and, and it, it kind of, it, it was one of the big points of the Olympics was this woman's failing. Look at what he says. You were running well. Who hindered you? Is there somebody in your life that's hindering you from obeying the truth besides you? 1 Corinthians chapter nine says this, verse 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. This is, you know, the Olympics, the old Olympics were going on in this time. They do it to get a perishable wreath. It was like a celery wreath, but we an imperishable. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I discipline my body, keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There is this race. There is this journey of life that we are called to this kingdom life, to, to be brought into focus on the truth of the fact that we have a God who has given us a way of life. And the, the great challenge in life is to not be hindered from obeying the truth. Be pulled into all kinds of things, every whim of doctrine. Pulled into fights and battles. Listen, I read the news. I want to comment on everything, just like everybody else does. But there's something bigger. There's something way, way bigger. We are um, starting this Life Skills 10,000 in just like a week. We've got a few students signed up. If you know a, a, a young person, 18 to 21, 17 to 21 from the community, you can go to our website. There's a link right there on the website under resources. We wanna be pushing young people into this. This is about money and the law, job skills, how to interview, how to have conflict resolution. At the end of this, we're gonna give them a mutual fund. If they don't touch it, it's worth $10,000 when they retire, if things continue the way they are, even at a conservative level. That, that, would, that would be some skills that people would need to have just in life in terms of how to follow those basic things. But even with that, there is something we're about that's bigger than even that. After the point, there's a person. Look at this. He, there's, there's someone here who calls you. This persuasion, this persuasion, the, the word there literally means this enchantment, this drawing away, this, this almost spiritual enchantment this persuasion is not from him. You might want to underline this word, who calls you. 
You are called to something. You are called to something so much bigger than just the, the little things that can draw you away, that can get your attention away. It's amazing how often in life we get distracted from the real important things. We get distracted just, and I know I've said this a lot, but go into a restaurant today and look at a family, an entire family on their phones together in a place. They're eating together. They've gone, they're spending money to be in a place together and they're not even together when they're together. Who are you talking? Who could you possibly be talking to more important than your children? Who in the world could possibly more, be more important to you than the people right in front of you? You've been, this persuasion, this enchantment is not from him who called you. There is a person who called you. We're gonna come back to that very phrase at the end of this text. The Lord just showed me this yesterday morning. I had not seen it before. I don't know how I missed it. Him who calls you, you were called to something so much bigger than anything small. But the enchantment is to pull you away. The enchantment, the, the, the little bit of trinkets. Remember when we used to buy cereal? You'd convince your mom to buy cereal based on the one cent toy in the bottom of the box. I worked at a grocery store when I was 14 to 16 years old. Can I just tell you how many boxes of cereal we would clean up because the bottom had been ripped open? People would, would, would break the law to get that one cent toy, that enchantment. And then he talks about a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, leaven, another way of looking at leaven is yeast. Uh, this is a yeast donut. What makes a donut a donut is obviously flour and sugar and fat and sugar and fat and sugar and fat. Uh, but then, but this is a yeast donut. Would anyone like a yeast donut? Anyone like a yeast donut? I got a yeast. It, you can have it here. You can eat it. You want it? You want a donut? Nobody wants the donut? Okay, come on. It's, come on, it's yours. All right. Yeah, way to go. All right, way to be brave here. There's no trick here. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, now you enjoy that. Now everybody around you is going to be like, this had how she did. There's a trick here. I thought there was some trick here. No, I just, and say, look, if you're watching online, you're coming to the outside service, I'm going to have one out there too. What makes that donut a donut is yeast. We owned a donut shop when I was growing up. Three o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, I would be at the donut shop. It has to be at a certain temperature to make the yeast work. The, and, it, and it changes the whole dynamic. It, and it's the smallest ingredient. This is the thing that he's saying is, this is not the big ingredient, this is the little ingredient, but it changes everything about it. Salt's like that too, right? A little bit of salt. Is anybody salt or watermelon besides me? Like you put a little salt and it just changes the whole dynamic of the food. This is what he's saying. Listen, there is a leaven here that's not, a good thing. Mark 8, 15, Jesus said, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the only political statement that I actually see Jesus making, I have political opinions. I try really hard to make sure that when I'm here, I don't speak them. 
But Jesus says, beware the leaven of Herod. Now, this is what I, I don't think he's saying, beware of this view or this view. I think he's saying what he's saying here. Beware of thinking that the Pharisees and the law, beware of even thinking that the government is going to be the one that fixes all this problem here. Beware of that leaven. There's a leaven. There should be a leaven in your life, something that's way more powerful. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. They've got something going on in, in the church there in Corinth. It's a horrendous thing. You can read this story in 1 Corinthians 5. But he says this, because they're bragging about their sinfulness. Here we are. You, th- you, you read the world. You read the news today. You're like, well, this has never happened before. Oh, yeah, it had. The church, listen, church was in a way more caustic environment, politically, socially, culturally, than we are. Persecution, they killed them. This, look, you get shamed on social media. Not as bad. Not as bad. Trust me, I get shamed on social media every week. So somebody said, I sent you something on Facebook Messenger yesterday. I said, I do not read Facebook on Saturday. No, I do not open my Facebook on Saturday because all the crazy stuff comes to me on Facebook. So he says, he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, cleans out the old leaven? That you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. You are more than this. You are more than the brokenness that's going on around you. That's the whole thing that I believe that he's saying here. You are running well. You got hindered. Somebody got in your way, but, but you're the one who's responsible for making sure that doesn't happen. Don't, don't fall Don't fall in behind people that are taking you into places that you should not go. Then he does this little parenthetical polemic in verses 10 to 12. This is one of those sections in scripture that if I was a cowardly preacher, I would not preach because it's it's awkward. I'm going to be honest with you. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Now, I believe Paul knows who this is, but he's kind of speaking third person about this person. So someone has come. They've lied about Paul and what he's saying. Now, now look at at what he says here. He He says that if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. First thing here. This, is, this passage is not about losing your salvation. This is about losing your way. He says that you would have no other view. The one who's troubling you will bear the penalty. When, when you're a teacher, James 3.1, you've got to be very careful why James 3, 1 says, not many of you should be teachers. Be careful about what you're saying. Be careful when you have a place of authority, whether it's in your work, in your family, or if you're a teacher, be, be careful of that voice of authority that you have. Be very cautious. Don't be bringing weak stuff. I love, I love, they, I love they've got these commercials of Dikembe Mutombo again when he's like, no, 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 no. 
Remember Dikembe when he played for the Hawks? You know, you do not bring weak stuff around Dikembe. If you bring something weak, man, it is going into the stands because Dikembe is going to swat it away. Don't be bringing weak stuff. Don't be bringing this weak stuff around. Make sure that what you're taking the time to invest in people's lives is strong. There's these false charges. He says, he says, basically, they're saying that I'm preaching this whole old way again. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The cross is offensive when you're religious, when you're trying to do it on your own. The cross, because look, if I can do it on my own, that makes me God. And there's a part of us that kind of likes being God. So the cross says, no, I, I'm not God. See, Jesus plus anything else is everything minus Jesus. You, there, there is no either or here un, unless you're looking at that absolute truth. You can't have a little, a little Jesus in your life with everything else. Jesus is it. Jesus is that way. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He's the only life. And then there is this radical disqualification. Verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now that's a life verse for you right there, isn't it? Remember back in, back in the 70s and 80s, we used to get preachers to autograph our Bibles, sign our Bibles. At Easter, I had a couple kids come up and say, Pastor, would you sign my Bible? You know, that is not a verse I put down when I'm signing people's Bibles. Or Isaiah 5.11, woe to you who rise early in the morning to pursue strong drink. There's one. How about this one? Job 19, 17. My breath is offensive to my wife. <laughs> you could like write that. No, Hebrews 12, one to two is what I write down. What, what's he saying here? One of two things. I'm not totally sure. Both of them are essentially saying the same thing. I want this voice out of your life. So that, that word emasculate essentially means to be pushed away, taken out, cut out. It can be, I just want this voice cut out of your life. It could also be this. He's saying, you're talking about circumcision? Well, just go varsity, baby. I mean, if that's really what you're talking, you think that's gonna make you right. But here's what he says. But some of y'all just got that, all right. Let me just, yes, I'm blushing a little bit. All right, in the middle of this, of this sermon. To have done that, in the Old Testament, there was law that if you tried, if you did this, it took you out of the ability of being a priest. This is what he's saying. You, 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 can't, you can't control your sin by removing the temptation in that way. That, that would be an evil, wrong use of removing temptation. But either way, I want this voice out of your life. I want that voice gone. Go back to that first phrase, you are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This is what he says. I want that voice out of your life. Who enchanted you? He's ticked. He's angry that, that they've been pulled away from that life that they were called to, that kingdom life that they were called to. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. 
You were called to so much more than this. Not this dead religion. You were called to freedom, to live in life. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This book I've been talking to you guys about, it talks about the revolution that the church brought into that culture that it was raised up in. It was a revolution of the individual. It affirmed that all people are created equal in the image of God and no one is expendable. Can I get an amen on that? Let me also just just say this. I have no issue at all of leaning into when there are people particularly oppressed. I have no issue at all with leaning into that need at a particular time. I do think we have to be careful. Let me be really clear. I don't affirm Tim's value. I don't affirm your value. I don't affirm her value or Joan's value or your value or your value. I affirm that God says you have value. If I affirm that you have value, that might change next week. If I affirm that God says you have value, Rich, and I change that next week, I'm the one who's wrong, not you. It can be very self-serving. Be very cautious in the ways that we affirm each other. We, this value that we have as a church, that we believe that all people have value, that was one that we had in youth ministry, Anita, what, 12, 13 years ago when we were putting up the, the values of our youth ministry. That, that, that every individual has that. No one is expendable. A revolution of the home affirmed it's a place of safety and love where women and children are not to be exploited because they were. A revolution of the workplace affirmed that people are not property. Boy, if we could have learned that one. That they're free to choose their work and they must be given free time for worship, for artistic, for enjoyment of their loved ones. A revolution of religion taught the world that God is love. A revolution of the community taught people to love their neighbor. A revolution of the way people thought about life and death, it rejected the culture of death. And if you don't think we're in a culture of death today, you just go look and see the movies that are showing in our theaters. That's the, the, we live in a culture that's mesmerized by death. But instead, a culture of life and hope, encouraging people to stand up for human rights and finally, a revolution of government that set up the idea that rulers should serve those whom they rule, not the other way around. And that all people should enjoy this very thing we're talking about here, freedom. The early church was about those things, that life would be lived very differently. That effect on each other would be profound for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord. Sorry, that's not what it says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So where, where is the, that word about loving the Lord? You're like, Pastor Paul must be off here. Because it's supposed to be you love the Lord and then the neighbor comes later. He, he's missing something here. Well, I don't think he is. Look, look, what he's, look what he says back in verse 13. 
for you were what? Called. Where did this start off in verse seven? You are running well. Who, who hindered you? This persuasion is not from him who what? Calls you. You were called. You were, you were called. You were led by someone into something so much bigger. This understanding of who God is changes the dynamic of everything else about everything. This is one of Anita's favorite books. I took it from her nightstand. I'll put it back, honey, I promise. It's by Richard Pratt, one of my favorite seminary professors. And he tells this story in here about something that happened in a hotel in California. He calls it the irony of being human. In this hotel, there was a lady. She had left her husband and children to live with another man but that evening, her new partner had deserted her. There's kids in the room. I'm just gonna be over the top here. She left this note. Don't cry for me. I'm not even human anymore. You know what happened. Same hotel. Same hotel. There's a celebrity. Many of you, if you're old like me, would know her name. She had gathered people together in the ballroom and she led them in a chant. This is what they were chanting. I am God. And she said, say it louder. Don't, don't do this. I'm not telling you to do this, okay? All right. I am God. No, louder. I am God. I, I showed this book to my friend Greg Boone, and he, was, he preached about this. And he said, he said, can you imagine like Michael and Gabriel Michael's like, come here, Gabriel, come here. Look at this. No, California, look, California. Yeah, I know, it's Earth. It's a little planet, but you, we, know, we know where Earth is. We've been there. Look, look at this. We're going back. Look at this. Down there in that room. Listen to what those people are saying. Listen. No, you gotta listen really hard. I am God. And they look over and they see him. And they see them. I am God. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, honey, you're a little off here. <laughs> but you see, we ultimately, we, we come to this point where we have, to, we have to say this. Either he is or we are. Love, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the call that he's put us into. You, how do you love your neighbor if you don't love you? How do you love you if you don't have a proper understanding of God? If you don't understand that you were made with value and dignity that he that he cares for you. Nine times out of 10, I find this in my life. When I have issues with other people, my issue isn't really with them, it's really with me. I sat down and journaled this week. I was looking at some things that were going on and something that was bothering me. 
And if I'm honest, it really had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with me. I, I don't know about you. Um, you know, the, the, the sarcasm gene runs strong in my family. I was sitting with my granddaughter last Sunday morning. I had made her cinnamon toast and she threw some to one of the dogs and I said, sweetheart, you know, please you don't, don't feed the dogs from the table. Why, Grandpa? I said, honey, because it's gross. She goes, it's not nearly as gross as that runny egg you're eating right now. <laughs> like, you know, if Yoda's like, sarcasm gene runs strong in this one. You know, I, she, she, uh, five, yeah. It's only gonna get worse. But that sarcasm Look at the next verse. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Why do we do that? Why, why, why does it become, why does it become the, the, the golden corral buffet of humanity that we just tear into each other all the time? I think it's because at the end of the day, I don't think it's really about them. I think it's about us. I think there's a reason Paul puts this verse right after the fact that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I think there's a reason he puts love your neighbor as yourself right after the fact that he says you've been called. You see, there's a God. He loves you. He made you. He made you unique. He knits you together in your mother's womb. Worship team, come on up here. He, he puts you together. He, he, he thought about the intricate detail of who you are. And as he knits you together, as he made you, he puts you in a place to be in relationship with other people. And if you understand that he loves you and that he is God, and he made you in this way, and he made you beautiful. He made you with dignity and value. Then you can look at the rest of humanity, and even when it's in its brokenness and sinfulness, you see parts of it that, that need to be conformed to his image. Yes. But people have value and dignity still. But if I'm God, if it's just me, then that's pretty shallow and empty. I don't know about you. I just know this about me. Um, I've always felt a little less than everybody else. I don't know about you. That's me. I've always kind of felt like I didn't measure up. Can I say something? She can't fix that. My elders can't fix that. The number of people that come to this church can't fix that. There's only one that can fix that. And here's the thing. He called you. He called you. He picked you. He picked you. 
And when he picks, he doesn't go, okay, I'm going to take you and you and you because there's an order there. This is what he does. I picked you. I picked you. I chose you. I chose you. You're mine. And listen, listen. Let me show you who I want you to love. Look at who I chose. Love them. You're on the same team. Love them. And I know they don't know they're on the team yet, but we're going to recruit them. Because my hands go out here, too. I, I believe that we get pulled away by the enchanter. The enchanter has a name, too. He pulls us away from seeing the dignity of people, from loving each other, from understanding that we were made in the image of God. And we really do have this simple choice in life. He is God or you are God. There really isn't any, because look, if, there, if he is not God, then everything's God. That's pantheism and everything's God and, and, and that's it. And you're just as good a God as anybody else. But I don't know about you, I look at Jesus and I'm like, no, I'd really like you to be God. <laughs> and I'd really like it if you chose me. And here's the amazing thing. He chooses first and he chose you first and you first and you first and you first. But he's God. He can do that. That's the love he has. And he says, now go live in that. Go live in that. Be careful what you teach when you lead. But never, ever, ever forget that you're loved by him. And live in that. Would you guys stand with me? Lord Jesus, this morning, I, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, whether it's here or it's online, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that there would be some things that get just taken out today, pushed away, voices that get pushed away. You're not worthy. You don't measure up. You're not as good. Because you're the one who determines our value. You're the one who made us. Lord, let us listen to no voice but yours. Even if those voices are good, receive it, but that doesn't determine our value. Lord, I pray that we as a church would be a people who understand this and out of the love that you have for us, out of that, not pride, but out of that humble sense of belonging, of love, that we could go into a world that is so broken that we kill each other over issues on the road. Lord, let us know that love. Let us experience that love because this is the love 
that God has for us. That he would bring his only begotten son into the world. And then if we would believe in him, we would have life, freedom, purpose, hope, and a call, a call. And that changes everything. Amen. You are loved by Jesus. So live in that love. Thanks for joining us. I'm Myrna Brown.